Hey everybody, it's Amanda. Welcome or welcome back to the Park Ridge Presby podcast, the message podcast of Park Ridge Presbyterian Church in Park Ridge, Illinois. We would love for you to experience a Sunday morning with us, or you can always connect with us on social media. We are Park Ridge Presby on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We hope this message inspires your faith to make a difference for you every day. Well, we are in part three of our Advent message series, The Promise of Peace. And if you've been with us um, these last few weeks, you've been caught up on part one and part two. But if not, you can go back to our earlier uh, services, our earlier YouTube episodes to get caught up on those messages. In week one, we talked about God's promise of peace, and we read those words from the prophet Isaiah. We talked about how the people had been waiting a really, really long time for God's promise of peace. And we talked about how God's promise of peace was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus brings peace. And then in week two, we talked about Mary's song, Mary's Magnificat. It's this song that she sings after she learns about God's plan for this baby that she was going to have. And we learned about how God's peace looks like the proud being humbled and the powerful being brought down. God's peace looks like justice. Today in part three, we're going to talk about how God's promise of peace means that God is with us. God created the world with peace in mind. When God's people began to experience the pain, and the heartbreak of disobedience, disobedience living against God's will rather than living in line with it, what God desired, what God promised, was to restore peace to the world, just like God created it. God's plan was for peace. For all we know, God could have brought peace about in a million different ways, but all we know for sure is that God didn't bring about peace the way that people expected. Because what we know, what you know, what we remind ourselves of every year at Christmas is that God's promise of peace comes in the form of this unexpected, unplanned, poor, far away from home baby boy. Today we're going to be exploring what it means that our God decided to show up like that. And how the truth of that God can bring you peace. The Gospels offer us two different accounts of the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story that we have been talking about for these last few weeks. One is from the Gospel of Luke. That's what we've been reading from over these last couple weeks. And another is from the Gospel of Matthew. Luke's Gospel is is longer, and it's more about Mary's experience. And then Matthew's Gospel is shorter, and it centers Joseph in the story. And so here is Matthew's account from chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Compared to Luke 2, this other birth narrative that we find, this is a really condensed version of all that was happening in the time before Jesus was born. But there's a lot going on here in between the lines. When you read this passage, you'll notice that it is about Joseph's experience, but Joseph doesn't say a word. You can imagine, though, that his mind is still full of so many thoughts about what to do next and what people would think about him and what people would think about Mary because of this baby that was coming into their lives in this unexpected, unplanned way. I just kind of imagine his mind racing for days distracted by this news. You know, he doesn't say anything but I think you can tell he's thinking about a lot. It says he pondered these things. And, you know, we know that Joseph was a carpenter by trade. And so part of me just pictures him like muddling about in a workshop somewhere, kind of starting a project and then, then stopping working, getting distracted by something else and just moving about but not really completing any work. That's what I picture Joseph like in between these lines, in between this story that we have here. Because then it says that Joseph made up his mind about what he was going to do. So at some point, all of that worrying, all of that overthinking, Joseph had a plan. But then God stepped in. God sent an angel of the Lord to appear to Joseph because Joseph needed to know that he was caught up in something way bigger than himself. This wasn't just a woman he was going to marry that found herself pregnant. God was doing something in this story that Joseph didn't know about yet, and so God had to intervene and bring Joseph into this story. And it's so interesting to me that this whole time, Joseph still remains silent. But he listens, and he acts. The angel of the Lord speaks three times to Joseph, and three times he obeys. The angel has these three instructions, do not fear, get married, and name the baby Jesus. The angel explains that this is all part of God's unfolding plan. This is all a part of that promise of peace. Each of the gospel writers has a unique audience in mind when they are writing about Jesus, and each has a unique theme or main message that ties through the entire gospel. The consistent theme in the gospel of Matthew is that of promise and fulfillment. 
the people that Matthew was writing to, they were familiar with Jewish scriptures and Jewish customs. They were either Jewish people or close enough, living close enough to the Jewish people that they were familiar with their life. And so Matthew brings us the promises of the Old Testament and these promises from the Old Testament prophets about God's salvation and God's restoration and points us to the fulfillment of those things in Jesus. Matthew has 10 fulfillment statements and they all follow a similar pattern. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. And we see the first instance of this here in Matthew chapter 1, 22 and 23. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah, saying all this took place to fulfill what the, had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew's drawing us into this bigger story about what God is doing and helping us look back to the promises God made that were spoken through the prophet. And Joseph listens. He must have gotten over his fear, at least enough over his fear to follow the next two instructions because he does get married. He marries Mary, and when their son is born, they name him Jesus. Names are important. What you call someone matters. And biblical names often told you about someone. It, it told you about who someone was and who their family was, and sometimes a name would even tell you what someone was going to do. A few weeks ago, on the very first Sunday of Advent, I, it was during the kids' message. I had all our PRPC kids up front with me in church, and I was trying to tell them how much names matter and that our names mean something. And if you were there that day, you know how this went down. First of all, they didn't believe me at first that our names meant something, that our, your name could have a meaning. First of all, they didn't believe me. And then once I helped them see that our names had meaning, well, then they wanted to know what their names meant. And I was not prepared to answer all of the meanings of their names. And then they moved on to wanting to know what the name Jesus meant. And I got to tell you, I froze like someone with a pop quiz and stage fright because I was not prepared for their question and I was not about to give the wrong answer in front of all of these kids and adults looking at me. I was pretty sure I knew the right answer, but I was not going to give some false information up there. So I just skirted the question and sent them off to small group. The answer I almost gave the students was that Jesus means God saves. And that would have been right. That is one of the ways to think about Jesus' name because Jesus is the ancient Greek name or form of the Hebrew name Yeshua or our English version of that Joshua. And the name Joshua in Hebrew, Hebrew means God is deliverance or God is my salvation or to say it another way, God saves. So Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua, a name that means God saves. But I learned something new about the name Jesus this week, which was that it was a pretty common name at the time. A lot of people were named Jesus. And actually, around the world, Jesus or versions of that name are still common names. It's, not, it's just not very common in, 
English to have the name Jesus. But the name Jesus in and of itself at the time didn't communicate the importance of who Jesus was or what this Jesus was going to do. But you know what name does do that? Is this name Emmanuel. Anybody could have been named Jesus in those days, but no one would have dared name their child Emmanuel, the name that means God with us. Names are important, and this name, Emmanuel, was given only to Jesus, this unexpected, unplanned, poor baby boy, God with us. A pastor I love, her name's uh, Meredith Miller, she's a pastor I love to learn from. She uses the language of God in a body to describe for kids and, you know, maybe for the rest of us, what it means that God came in the form of Jesus. When Jesus was born, what it meant. Jesus was God in a body. Throughout Jesus' life on earth, he had a body. His body ate, his body slept, his body walked and talked. He was God in a body. I said earlier how God's design was always for peace. And God could have brought about that peace in any number of ways. But God's design for peace was to be with us in all of it. In all the mess, in all the heartbreak, in all the pain, in all the waiting, in all the failure, in all the loneliness, in all the brokenness, God is with us. The promise of peace that was fulfilled in Jesus is that God is with us in all of it. At the end of the day, that's really all we have. And at the end of the day, it's really all we need. We are never alone in this life because God is with us. And this truth that we are seen and known, that we matter, can be enough to help us hold on to the promise of peace to the next day and the next and the next, despite whatever our life circumstances are. But here's the problem. Not everybody knows they matter. There are people listening right now that struggle to believe that God loves them unconditionally. There are people in your life right now who feel like nobody sees them, that they are entirely alone. There are people in your life, in my life, who don't know the good news that God is with us. Just like we needed Jesus, we needed God in a body to show up and show us how to live and love together the way that God intended. 
The people around us need God's love to show up in a body, in a real, tangible, flesh and blood kind of way. A pastor of mine growing up used to always say to us that you might be the only gospel somebody ever reads. You know, by the way that you speak and the way that you act and the way that you forgive, you might be the only experience of God somebody ever has. God in a body. You can do this. You can already do this. You already have everything that you need because God is with you. God is with us. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus arrives and departs the world in the same way. In chapter 1, we have this promise that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And then in chapter 28, at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' final words to his followers was a promise sending out his followers into the world to share the good news, to tell the story about who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. He told all of these people this promise, this reminder, that I am with you always, until the very end. God's promise of peace means that God is with us. And the church, we keep that promise every time that we show up for people when it matters most and when we love people the way that God loves them. And you could be the reason that somebody trusts God's promise of peace this Christmas by how you show up for them and remind them that they are not alone, that you are with them, that God is with them because we worship a God who came to be with us. We worship Emmanuel. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can subscribe to this podcast or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We are at Park Ridge Presby on all platforms. 